Hello. Hi. And welcome back to Undiscovered. I have a very special guest here. I'm staring at her right now, dead in the eyes, and it is my mother. Hi. This is the woman who raised me, the woman responsible for all of my trauma. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you are definitely not kidding. You okay, are, well, you're- You are not kidding. You're responsible. <laughs> you're responsible for a couple things. I think we all are. I think parents are, are I, you know, that's a, Let's talk about that. Actually, no, 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 no. no. Let's talk about that. Can you just let me start? (laughs) But I wanted to just say one thing. No, I really, can I just do the intro? Can I just do the intro and start where I want to start? Yes. It's not your podcast. I know. I know, but this was such a great thing to say about being responsible. Well, I actually think that that's something that I wanted to talk about, but not off the bat. Okay, go for it. Great. women living together actually mother and daughter yeah so let's just let's just put the um accurate labels on it yeah I want to start off this podcast I made an outline of it I'm not going to start off this podcast being like look at me and my mom we have the most perfect relationship ever no we fucking don't we don't no no yeah I know that Gilmore Girls sold you a lie that said you and your mom should be best friends and you should tell each other everything (laughs) and let me tell you right now that's a lie, okay? Gilmore Girls is really cute for the fall. It's so cute to get into season and like really embrace being in a small town suburb with your single mother. My mom is not single. We did love that show though, for the fantasy of it. If we're really breaking it down, the lack of boundaries in that show between Lorelai and Rory. Oh, definitely. Was definitely not aspirational if we take it to modern times. So my mom and I got in a fight this morning. And I think that that's the best place. We got in a disagreement. I don't know that we got in a fight. I think <laughs> we got... <laughs> the fuck is the difference? Well, like, I think a fight is, is like I think a fight is like a, a like a full on argument, yelling maybe. Um, but we got in a disagreement. All right, let's talk about the disagreement. Mother, 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 mother. The the need to distinguish a fight versus a disagreement. Like, can I just tell you my perspective of yes, that? Yes, I cannot wait. I think every family fights, every mother and daughter fights. I think there's a red flag if you guys don't get in fights or disagreements or arguments. Like, the distinguishing between, oh, oh me and my daughter don't fight. We get in disagreements. It's like, <laughs> what are you trying to prove? Like, that our dynamic is somehow, like, superior to fighting. That's and a great not. point. That's a great point. Thank That's you. That's a great point. Um, because we do fight, and we don't always fight right. Right. We don't always do it correctly. And I think that's why I'm trying to start this podcast is not to um try and cover up, like, the reality of being a mother and daughter who love each other deeply and still find issues within the relationship. So I'm going to read you something that I wrote after our fight this morning because I am not great with explaining in the moment. My brain fires in 14 different directions because I can't get my thoughts straight. And I find myself to be a much better writer than I am a talker. Maybe there's not, maybe there's truth to that. I also think I'm pretty good at explaining, but I do this. I overexplain, whatever. Um, well, and I think we get triggered, right? And when we're triggered in that moment, it's very difficult to express your emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Properly. Yeah. So I wrote it down about how I was feeling. Thank God for writing because it just puts my thoughts into words. So we made a plan this morning to start at 8.15. It's now 9.02 and we started about 10 minutes ago. And I am not one 
who defines herself as very type A or good at time management particularly. But I know that this has been a sore subject with my mom and I. And it's not that my mom is very type A or incredible at time management. I will say she's better than I am. But I thought by making a plan, it would actually help us to stay on schedule because this week was kind of finicky and I take responsibility if I was wrong in thinking that. I made a plan. I set my alarm. I got up at 7.45. I was ready to start at 8.15. And she comes downstairs at 8 o'clock and is like, I'm going on a walk with the dogs, with your dad. And I was like, well, are you going to be back by 8.15? And she's like, no, 8.30. And if I don't go on this walk, then it's going to rain later and I'm not going to be in a good mood and I need to go on this walk. And I was like, okay. Um, I, I don't asked, know if I said I wasn't going to be in a good mood. You did. I did? You did. Well, which is probably accurate. Right. Okay. They <laughs> <I> said... <laughs> Okay, so that's really frustrating. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a coffee and I will see you at 8.30. But I was pretty frustrated. So I wrote, Mom, I'm frustrated because we run into this a lot where I say that something you did hurt me and instead of apologizing or taking any accountability, you say that actually I did something a week ago first that you never told me hurt you, but now that you feel attacked, you're bringing it up to retaliate. It's not that I'm not willing to own whatever I did a week ago, but it completely switches the focus from you having to own hurting me and onto me having to apologize to you. And this is where I feel like we keep missing each other. Because you are correct that I canceled. In my head, we made plans that I incorrectly assumed were loose plans. But when I came upstairs and I tried to tell you that I was frustrated, your response was blowing right past you having hurt me and immediately going to, you know, Jane, we had plans to do this podcast earlier in this week and you actually canceled on me and I planned my whole day around that. So the issue that I have is not that you planned your whole day around that. It's that all of a sudden the first time I'm hearing that this upset you is in retaliation to me telling you that something you did upset me and you blew right past acknowledging or validating my lived experience of feeling frustrated. It's like, instead of validating my reality and saying, your feelings are real, it was, well, actually, you did something earlier that hurt me, so can we talk about that first? And like, that's where you lose me in the argument. It's not that I'm not willing to talk about what I may have done that hurt you. It's that inability to take ownership for hurting me when I come to you in the moment. And I get that, and I don't want to phrase it as inability, because I do have the ability. You do, but I just, so it's not an inability. It's something that I am learning as I'm in therapy to recognize right in the moment. So, like, when you look at me with that disappointed look mm-hmm. of me being, you know, 15 minutes, a half hour running late, which I really try not to most of the time. I really try and stick to my timeline. Um, It's that look that you give me, that disappointing look, like that frustrated look that triggers me. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, oh my God, are are you kidding me? Like I so many times like rearrange my schedule to try and help you out. Mm-hmm. Great point was yesterday when we were shooting outside and you needed to get photos done. And I said, sure, I'll help you. I'm on a timeline. I don't have that much time. I have to be home because we're going to see a concert. And then I had said to you, 
all right, we need to finish, even when we were at the gas station. And then you're like, wait, wait, one more, one more. Just let's let's do this really fast. And I told you several times, I'm done. I have to go. And you keep on pushing me like right up to that edge. So I feel like it's okay if you push me and then don't accept my boundaries. And then when I'm, and I totally get what, why you were upset this morning. You got up, you were, and I, I mean, you, you did exactly what we said we were going to do. So yeah. I'm sorry that I didn't acknowledge that. You're right. I understand why you were disappointed because you made a plan. Mm-hmm. I definitely understand you were disappointed. We made a plan. Yeah, I think also because this is something that you struggle with with me. Like I know I've disappointed you in the past for. No, I just I struggle with the boundaries. I don't I don't set the boundaries, oh, and then gosh. I. Yeah, sorry. I think. That's something that I am also working on with, you're right, like I did push your boundaries yesterday. You're absolutely correct. And I think we've been in that pattern of it's okay to push each other's boundaries since childhood. And it's not like that's an excuse, but I think it's just something that you and I have not had much experience with, like drawing hard boundaries and accepting them. And I think it's really frustrating. I know that I have pushed back on boundaries like I just I know that that is a sore spot for me and I've put you in those positions and I do apologize for that and I think where my frustration comes from is a only really hearing about these things when I come to you with something that you frustrated me about like that's when I hear about all these things that actually did bother you that you never talked to me about and I wish that you would maybe come to me in the moment and maybe when you do because I know if you're thinking like I do tell you it's like always coming from this place of being triggered instead of coming to me the day after or a couple hours later and trying to repair something because when we're in the moment it's so hard to actually think straight just like you said you're looking at my disappointed face and you're like going back into some other you know childhood part or you're feeling triggered from something else and like just having honestly even the 30 minutes to write down how I was feeling after I was frustrated this morning like just having that time to write it down and this is what I think is so helpful in repairing conflict in relationships is like if you can write down exactly how you're feeling and then ask the person if you can read it to them it's a lot easier to write down how you're feeling and make sense of everything in your mind I think even in you telling me like off the bat when I when I started this podcast saying I'm frustrated your response still was not I totally understand that you validated my reality of feeling frustrated after telling me all of these things that I did that that bothered you and I just wish that we could switch the order of that fair that's very fair I think you and I both I don't think I know you and I both get triggered easily and it's hard for us to step out of that moment well I think I definitely used to have a very hard time stepping outside of that moment but I feel like I've gotten like I've worked a lot on that and I think I've you have but even your look to me you got triggered right your body reacted to what I did which is normal but like a look is fair right right right. totally fair I'm not saying it's not fair but to say you're not you're not triggered you are triggered in that moment no I was saying I'm not I'm not uh, arguing against feeling triggered I'm arguing against not being able to take a beat like I think I've done a pretty good 
job now at checking in with myself even when I'm feeling triggered, which is exactly why I wrote in my notes section like, hey, Jane, let's figure out how we're feeling. And I a lot of times feel like as I've gotten older when I'm in conflict, like I find myself shutting down a little bit if I feel like the other person might be volatile and not like I don't think that you're I don't think that you're volatile, but I do feel like sometimes I'm having to suppress my emotions because I don't necessarily know what kind of mood I'm going to get from you. And I think that's both of us because that's funny because I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel. That's fair. Yeah. I feel if I say something, you immediately get on the defensive Mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. And that's a work in progress for both of us. Totally. And I'm really working on it. I talk a lot about taking a beat and taking a pause yeah, it's in hard. therapy. It's really hard because all your childhood trauma or whatever yeah. you felt in childhood, and I'm not saying everybody carries so much trauma, but everybody carries something with them. Yes. I literally wrote the other week, like you don't have to have capital T trauma to have capital T triggers. Like you right. don't have to have an insanely abusive childhood. You just have to have a childhood to have right. trauma. Right. <laughs> it's right. like the only requirement. And to get triggered. I mean, we all get triggered. Yeah. And I, I feel like I find that when we, when I was younger, and again, like I want to give credit to the time period with which we both grew up in. Like we are just now getting to a place in culture where mental health and boundaries and all these things are so normalized and we're all having to do so much unlearning because we didn't have the knowledge or maybe it was out there it just wasn't accessible and even when we're talking about we all have trauma we all have triggers it's like there's something within both of us I and tell me if I'm speaking for you but I think for me especially it's like I think I was trying to evade that for like the longest time and try to be a woman overcompensate and try to be a woman who doesn't have trauma or triggers. Like I remember I would in high school, like the thing was like daddy issues. They would make fun of women with daddy issues, which is a whole other topic that I don't even want to get into. But I felt this sort of pride in not having quote unquote daddy issues, which now that I've grown up, I'm like, honey girl, you got your own set of daddy issues. (laughs) But like, it's almost this shame or guilt around having trauma or triggers or negative feelings, period. Can we take a pause? Yeah. So this is where I'm coming from. I feel like, and it's fine. You're doing a lot of talking. It's not really a back and forth conversation. You're doing a lot of explaining. And so I don't get to like say what I'm feeling or by the time I get there, it's gone. Okay. Um, And I thought this was going to be more of like a little bit more back and forth. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to keep it just between you and I about what I'm about to say. Um, not just between you and I. Everybody's yeah, obviously like, hearing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going Everybody's live, hearing this. Um, I think for me, I have this inner child that comes out. Mm-hmm. And that's the part of me that gets triggered and is reactive. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with a mom who, oh, I love my mom so much, and she's so sweet, mm. sweetest. Like, I, if there's any woman that doesn't have a jealous bone in their body, she truly is yeah. the woman. However, she had this childish part of her inside of her, and often, often, mm. often comes out and was reactive. My parents didn't draw boundaries. They tried to, mm-hmm. but they never kept to them. I grew up with a mom who had this inner child, and I saw a lot of that. 
And then I didn't feel validated when I was a kid. Yeah. So not having been validated by your own parents, you really don't learn and get that example of how to validate somebody else. Yeah. Or at least somebody else that you're getting triggered by. Like, I validate my friends all the time, but they're not triggering me. Well, right. Or at least in the moment that, you know, when they're telling me something, they're not triggering me. But the reason I think we struggle is because sometimes my inner child comes out mm-hmm. and you are looking for the mother figure to 100%. always be there. That right. Is exactly, yeah. And I don't blame you because I remember I looked for that in my mom mm-hmm. and I truly never really got it. Mm-hmm. So I am working so hard in therapy to say, you know what, this is the child in you. This is a part of you that doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. And the adult now needs to come out. And how do you hang on to that? Because I I feel myself having it more and more, but not always. When I second guess myself, the child comes out in me. And then you happen to be there sometimes when I start second guessing myself. Yeah. And I'm actually looking to mm-hmm. you to validate me mm-hmm. or to calm me in my moment of having anxiety where I need to learn how to stop, take a pause, and validate myself and know that I'm okay. And even if I am struggling in that moment, it's a moment and I need to work through it. I don't need you to work through it for me. Yeah, I think that was brilliantly put. And I think your therapist is doing a great job. <laughs> she is doing a great job. You know, she said this one. <laughs> no, she's... Nice little snort. Thank you. We were talking about therapy just really quickly. And yeah. I used to think that therapy was doing the work in the therapist's office. And I think that was old school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's how it was. Well, you did a lot of the work in the therapist's office. For those who don't know, my mom has been in therapy for about 35 years. Yeah. So she has been around the motherfucking block. She oh, is, yeah. She is a seasoned patient, okay? She knows. <laughs> Which, like, I have to commend you. You're the person who taught me that there is nothing wrong with therapy. And you're the person who I credit for honestly being the catalyst to eventually starting this podcast and, and being so obsessed with self-help. It has fulfilled me in a way where I can't even explain. I think healing is fun. And I just want to say before you continue, because I will forget, and we both have ADHD, um, <laughs> the fact that you could articulate what you just did is huge. And I, I think, like, I appreciate the fucking hell out of that because oh, there's so much beauty and awareness. I know it always it doesn't always pan out. But again, even the fucking gurus and experts are not like, yeah, I live my life perfectly because I know all this shit. No, we just get better at acting from that place of enlightenment, but it's not always going to happen. You're going to fuck up. I think it's the struggle that makes people more compassionate. Absolutely. And more empathetic. So any struggle that I've been through, although as hard as it has been when I went through it, Mm -hmm. I'm a better person for it, for all of that struggle. Absolutely. So my old therapist used to tell me this, which I think is so true. Everybody's got an inner voice. Mm -hmm. Some people never hear it. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, they never get to evolve. Some people hear it and don't listen to it. Some people hear it and listen to it sometimes. And those who really evolve are the people who start listening to that inner voice more and more. Yeah. Her thought, my old therapist, really thought that a lot of therapy took place in the office. And I know she probably thought you brought it out into the world, but my therapist that I see now is the real work is how you live your life outside of therapy. 1,000%. Right. You're there to get the tools, 
so you can use them outside. Yeah, and this is a, a, a pain point between you and I, which you just explained, but in that first therapist's viewpoint of a lot of healing happens in the office, which sure, it's true, but your, your second therapist, your current therapist, I wholeheartedly agree with. Well, you identify with her way more. Way more. Although also, my first therapist helped me through. Your first therapist did exactly what she needed to do in that time in, that in your life for yep. who you were in that moment. Yep. I think looking back, which we it, just because she helped you doesn't mean we don't have the right to look back with a critical eye. Thousand percent. It bred this sort of codependent relationship where if you want to really heal, you have to be here. And I think with your current therapist, what I like is that she is teaching you how to help you. And with your last therapist, it was she is helping me, not she's helping me help me. And this therapist is like teaching you truly how to self-soothe, which goes back to why you and I, well, why I get triggered by you and why you sense it in those moments where you're questioning yourself and you find that inner child come out. I almost feel like you're looking to me, which you just right owned, right, like right. to help you. And I am desperately wanting the mother figure that shows me that we can help ourselves. And yes. I, I never got that. And again, the reason I think we get I think less never is, and I'm not trying to diminish how you feel, but I not think, never. I think no, you're, never is a. I think I have yeah. more memories of not getting that than I do getting that. What about? How and about you know that? what? That's fair because. Yeah. I didn't get that self oh, Yeah, how I never. You know? How would I know how to give it if I didn't? I, mean, I get wish it. that your last therapist maybe like you know taught you that in the <laughs> twenty fucking years. I'm just kidding. I, you know what? There, I, I remember times that I helped you get through a lot. Maybe not the way that you would have wanted. I think when I think about you, you wouldn't be the person you are today if I didn't give you some sort of strength within yourself and confidence. And well. <laughs> Hold on. I just feel like <laughs> hold on. Hold there. on there. I think we're like you I think we're we're getting into interesting territory mm, where mm. there's a part of you that wants to identify as a good parent through no, me right now. No, I you know what? Let me let me backtrack a little. Okay. I think I gave you or I think I help I didn't give it to you. I helped you see how to find where to go when you needed help. How's that? Can you ask me if that's true? Is that true? <laughs> How about, did I give you the open-mindedness? I think I feel your desperation for, am I a good parent right now? And it's turning me off. And I'm sorry. But I have to be honest. Like, I feel your need to present as no. I did a good job as a mother on this podcast right now. No, I think I fucked up. Like I'm not saying I'm not 15,000 different ways. No, but I also don't need this. I don't need this episode to be about actually you weren't a good parent. And that's the t that's not it. Yeah. I just would like instead of you pushing your own agendas, please tell me I did a, a good enough job. I'll preface this entire episode by saying, Mom, you are a phenomenal parent. But moreover, you are an incredibly lovable, phenomenal person. And I don't know if you need to hear that from me more often. But when I tell you you did things that upset me or that I'm angry with you or frustrated with you, I hope you know that within that or with that, there is an undying, never-ending love for you. Like, I love you with every fucking fiber of my being. A part of me will die when you are not here. Oh. And I know that. I could cry saying that. So when we talk about these things, it doesn't mean 
Are you going to cry? I am. When we talk about these things, we sometimes go to these black and white extremes of if I didn't make you feel this way, then I didn't do a good job. What even is a good job at parenting? You're a human being. And as a human being, I feel like I'm so blessed to be able to sit here and have these conversations with you and call each other out. And I'm sorry, I'm over explaining, but before we go further, like I need you to know that when we point out things that we both have done, it's just to show that this is normal. Well, and I think it's also healing. Yeah. Like, I love you through all of that, even through the mistakes. And maybe you didn't hear that enough as a child. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Please. Please. Oh, God, no. I, I heard you're going to start this. When are you going to quit? Are you going to quit this? Oh, my God. Is that why you were so gung-ho on me never quitting? <laughs> probably. Yes, probably. Yeah. I, I Probably, because I always was asked, when am I going to quit? It wasn't that I could try something and not like it it wasn't ever okay for me to feel that I was okay if I quit something mm. because I didn't like it and I tried it your parents didn't know how to tell you that listening to your body and stepping away was also brave well my parents didn't my parents didn't your know your parents didn't know a lot of yeah I mean so my parents didn't know how to how to validate mm. my parents absolutely didn't know how to validate feelings mm -hmm. but you know they grew up well, I think Not it's knowing. important to point out your dad, my grandpa, was a narcissist. My dad was definitely a narcissist. And I think that when you're raised with a parent with that diagnosis. Um, well, he wasn't officially diagnosed with that. But I'm going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here <laughs> and say he fit the clinical bill pretty damn well. <laughs> He had a lot of narcissistic tendencies. He had a lot. Yeah. Whatever the diagnosis. Like, what, yeah. fuck the If you gave me the DSM-5 and you said, here are the narcissistic tendencies, he checked at least 9 out of 10. Okay? <laughs> he checked a so, lot of them. I think when you're raised by a parent like that, there is no space for your feelings. Your reality is always going to be second to theirs. Yeah. I don't know why I need to say this, but his mom died at the age of 34. And after she passed away, I think he was 11 or 13, something like that. Mm -hmm. His father went to California, never came back. He was raised by his aunts. And I guess that's why I don't excuse him, but I understand where he's coming from. And I think that that's key when you are trying to understand who they are or why they're doing something. I think it's important to understand where someone comes from. Yeah. No, I, I I'm not saying yeah. excuse. Yeah. But understand it. I, I agree. I feel like when we go back into like family history and lineage, giving context is important. And I think I, I, that's something that I realize with every single person who's maybe operating in a way that hurts others. It's like what happened in your childhood that made you the way that you are. And it's important to note those things. And it had a profound effect on you never really feeling heard as a kid. Right. My mom grew up. Um, she was a preemie. I think she's one of the first preemies to be put in an incubator. And Wait, what? Really? Yeah. Why did I? She was? She was. Wow. Yeah. And the doctor... <laughs> No, no. The doctor back in the day is like, well, we don't know if she's going to, you know, grow up to be much. Literally, <gasps> that's what they said. And my mom grew up in a family where my mom was actually the caretaker. My mom, she had a brother who was 13 of years she younger was. because she was a whoops baby. Yeah. I mean, excuse me, he was a whoops baby. He was a whoops baby. Okay. And like she literally took care of him and raised him. And because her mom 
was a little bit sickly, but she was raised not feeling confident within herself because she was a preemie. This doctor said that. However, her parents treated her. So she had a a side of her that always had that child in her. She also had a very adventurous side. I think this is interesting because if you guys don't know, me and my mom visited my grandma, my mom's mom, in rehab because she broke her leg and ankle. She got very sick. It was a whole thing. She pretty much almost died, but It was a series of things that kept on happening where she broke her femur bone, then she had a UTI, and I don't know if anybody knows, but if you don't, it's so important when you get older. Um, The UTIs can affect your brain. You can hallucinate. You're not thinking properly. She had a UTI. She fell out of bed twice. The rehab center was was negligent. Definitely negligent. And then by the time I got there, she was literally dying. And I walked up to them and I said, either you're calling or I'm calling 911. And she ended up having what's called C. diff, which I had 12 years ago. And for those of you who don't know that, because a lot of people don't know what that is, it's when your bad bacteria take over the good bacteria in your colon. Older people can die from it. I was incredibly sick for eight months. Wow. And no doctor found it. So I walked around for eight months with C. diff and... Having my doctors tell me, I need to go see a therapist. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I knew something was wrong with me, but the doctors weren't listening. And okay. So, this is actually another podcast. Uh, I'm like, no, this is really, really important to talk about. And I do want to put a pin in it. I want to wrap up what we just said because I know that I tend to get tangential. But I think that was an amazing tangent that reinforced all the childhood trauma. And it wasn't your fault at all. It was right. literally people saying, your reality is not true. And yeah. you were like begging to be heard. So... Oh my I, God, that is exactly yeah. How, <laughs> that's exactly how I felt. That's so, so traumatizing. I completely understand. Well, I got I, super depressed. I would have too. Of yeah, course, you got fucking because depressed. I was literally going to three different doctors, and the last doctor's like, "Yeah, I think you need to go to therapy." But thank God, thank God, I had one doctor who was in the immediate care and said, let's just do this one super easy test on you, called me two days later and said, Mrs. Singer, you need to call me immediately. Even if I'm in with a patient, tell the nurse she needs to come and get me. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to tell you in that moment, any depression that I was feeling was lifted Yes, because I was validated. I was like, oh my God, I knew something was wrong with me. And there seriously was. Yeah. The depression was not even about your body in pain it was more about people not listening to you a thousand percent yeah just going back to grandma real quick when we talked to grandma and she was a little bit out of it but when she was starting to come back and like more with it she had made a comment that literally broke me a little bit because I wasn't sure if it was the last time I was going to talk to her I voice recorded her and I asked her different questions and she had made a comment that was I think my mother loved me but she never liked me Mm. and that broke my fucking heart and what you're saying reflects that which is like oh I don't know if she's going to amount to anything and it's like she felt that her mom loved her deeply by virtue of being her child but never actually believed in her or liked her she has this unbelievable childlike enthusiasm Mm -hmm. and an awe of the world that I will forever be trying to emulate I literally want to get awe tattooed on me Um, because it's such an important word to me because I think that we lose the awe of being alive after we get to this certain age and we see this the world rear its ugly head 
And I think that for whatever reason, grandma, your mom has never lost that and is genuinely just so happy to be here every day. Yeah. Not ready to go. And because she did not have a lot of confidence in herself and because she probably gaslighted the fuck out of herself and she was so used to taking care of other people, I think that for her being with somebody like your dad, a narcissist, was right in the cards. My mom did a lot of what I do and what I'm trying not to do now, which I'm really recognizing. My mom, if she had an issue with something, would go and word vomit, an emotion mm -hmm. vomit to everybody else because mm -hmm. she needed to be validated. Mm -hmm. Her one favorite person to go to was my aunt, who um, I loved very much, and I was close with her. Um, I'm doing deep breaths. I know. My aunt played a lot of devil's advocate. And maybe that's how she grew up. So Again, everyone has a childhood. And let me just say, playing devil's advocate, oh, yeah, it, the it's, it's totally not validating. And I didn't realize it at the time. I think it was a, a, a popular method. I used to do that, too, all the time. Yeah. And it, it goes under the realm of unsolicited advice, actually. And when you give somebody unsolicited advice, you're acting like you know better than somebody else, mm -hmm. which I talk about on my podcast. Mm -hmm. We have a whole podcast about yes, my mom advice. and her best friend have a podcast called Who Knows Who Cares Why Bother. We do. We do. It'll be up in a couple of weeks. Anyway, my mom grew up having to get validation from everybody around her because she didn't know how to get it from herself. And as much as we talk about my dad being a narcissist, mm -hmm. and he very much was, he also dealt with a woman who was depressed. He also dealt with a woman Well, who, bipolar, right? Her ups and downs are situational. So I don't okay, know yeah. if that's necessarily yeah. bipolar, but she yeah. deals with depression. Yeah, so for sure. So keep for it sure. at that. And so she deals with can we just say PTSD and low self-esteem? Exactly. Like, you know, as she's married to my dad, it, mm -hmm. it wasn't easy for my dad either. She would get on these like kicks where she would be like, let's keep kosher. Well, it's, and she it's would a little get, manic. She would get really excited to do these things, but didn't have the support behind her to do it. I think this is the very common dynamic, which is the narcissist ends up with the person like your mom mm -hmm. who is very blended with a child part that never got validation growing up and is struggling to have the self-esteem to validate herself. When you think that you're the problem, it's like a narcissist's dream. It's like their work is already done. Mind you, eventually they got divorced. Then I think your mom repeated a pattern in a different way. Differently. Yeah, because I think unless you go to therapy and see your pattern, you can't change it. And for those that might think that I am really pushing therapy I do want to say we are <laughs> we I do want to say we are and second of all honestly listening to podcasts and books on audible I think was equally a huge part of my healing and understanding of my own patterns I do need to say one thing though when you're talking about going to therapy there are many different types of therapists and I really want to preface if you are not feeling that that therapist is helping you out leave say it say it again or they're not giving you the tools that you need or you're just not relating to them yeah i think you have to relate to your therapist the same way that they say you'll know when you know with your partner that's i think we need to expand that statement because you know with friends you know with therapists you know with a romantic partner you know with a job you know what works with you i period. think we end up staying often too long because yeah. we're afraid to leave I know throughout my life, fear gets in my way a lot. 
And I put that on you often. Oh, honey. Oh, you don't bear. even have to tell me. Honey, you tell me. Fucking I you mean. tell me. You tell me you're going into the city <gasps> and I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait till she gets home. Oh. However, let me see. <laughs> this is the part of me that needs to profess oh, <laughs> that I've overcome some of my fear. But I have a long way to go. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I did end up going to India to go visit my brother. And that means so. that, that means that you've conquered everything. <laughs> I conquered you made that it. fair. Yeah. No. <laughs> and I, I had a fucking phenomenal time, by absolutely. the way. Absolutely. I feel like these are the two things that you and I struggle with the most. And you brought one of them up earlier, which was the questioning yourself constantly. And your mom's pattern of going to everybody outside of herself right. to validate that her experience and her emotions are real. Right. I watched you do that growing up. And now I do that all the time where I always have to call other people or I can't wait to go to therapy to have another person validate to me that my lived experience and my feelings are not only real, but like worthy of being listened to and mm -hmm. heard. It's like there's a part of us that maybe feels like we can only have the kinds of feelings that most people would agree with. And that is so fucking tough. And the other thing is anxiety is something that I think obviously you grew up with. And, 100%. And sometimes I get very frustrated with your anxiety because it reflects a part of me that I get frustrated with. And I put a lot of blame for that part, I think, on you. Yes. And that is where I wanted to. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Here's where my difficulty is. You see some of what you don't like about me in you. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I'm getting attacked for that, mm -hmm. which I did to my mom. <laughs> I definitely did to my mom. And until I went to therapy, and I know you're going to therapy and I've been in it for so long, but I had to learn for myself that I can no longer blame my mom for what's inside of me. I have to figure that piece out, and I have to figure out how to love my mom. And I know you do. I've mm -hmm. got no doubts. But how to love my mom for those parts that I don't respect in her mm -hmm. or that I don't love about her because I have them in me and I'm so angry that I've got them in me. Yeah. It took me a long time to let go of that anger. And when I did... It was like the world got lifted off my shoulders. And the only time I let go of that with my dad was when, because I grew up with my dad would get angry about everything. Yeah, he was he had a, he, had a he was very volatile. He was emotionally abusive, yes. Yeah, he could be, definitely. Yeah. Um, but he, I didn't feel like he was so emotionally abusive to me. He was very amused, uh, emotionally abusive to my mom. The only time that I, mean, I was... I hate to say this, but I almost feel like he wasn't as abusive to you because you were pretty... And that could be, really, because my dad had a thing with people who mm -hmm. looked good, who mm -hmm. were thin. Like if Actually, you were heavy, a, if you were overweight, that's a whole other A light topic. bulb just kind of went off with that one. Go ahead. So my dad, um, ugh. No, okay. I mean, don't, ugh, don't say ugh to my dad. I mean, he, so. Mom, but like why? He did things that were ugh. He did. He did. But I still love him. So but and why I still, can't he do things that are ugh and, and be loved? He can, right? He can, but that's where I'm coming from. So that Matt, part of me is okay that I feel that way. But is it okay that I feel ugh? It is okay that you feel ugh. Cool. It is. I don't feel ugh. Sometimes I feel ugh. 
However, the one time that I could let go of my anger for my dad is the day that I found out he had Alzheimer's. Right, because he forgot his entire personality. <laughs> he became... Some of it would come out every once in a while. <laughs> some of it, but yeah. But, but for some reason, I just felt, I felt so much empathy for him. Truly, I just, my heart went out to him when I realized that he had Alzheimer's because he himself was struggling. And yes. that, and he was vulnerable. Yes. That was I think the, that yes. was the thing. That That is exactly it. That is when exactly he, it. When he got vulnerable is the reason that I felt more compassion and connected. Connect, right. Exactly. It was like all of a sudden you were seeing this part of your dad that was human. I actually was in therapy the other day and I said this in therapy, which we've already talked about, but... I'm like, sometimes I'm just like, where is my mom? Like, I am the child and I, and is it unfair of me at this age of 29 to still need my mom? Not at all. Well, it's like sometimes I'm begging you to like put yourself aside and put me first. Mm -hmm. And I'm an adult now and I'm like, I cannot stand when she turns around and, and my therapist looked at me and was like, is human? <laughs> And I said, I love your therapist. And I said, it fucking pisses me off when my mom has her fucking human tendencies come out. <laughs> and like what you said, I, I will validate, which is I have two thoughts going through my mind. The first one is, oh, by my the way, I have no idea why this is making me cry, but I think it's making me cry. And not that I needed it from you, but I guess a part of me did. Yeah, you did. You just validated me that I'm human. Yeah. And I don't know, that just was an aha moment for me. Yeah. Because I overcompensate sometimes. Like when I think I fucked up with you. Oh, yeah. I feel like this needs to be a part one and a part two. Gardner. <laughs> um, I want to validate you again. <laughs> because two things go through my mind when you say I went to therapy and I learned how to love my mom for who she was. The first thing is, fuck you. Stop <laughs> pushing your agenda. Stop telling me that you somehow became a better person. And is this your backhanded way of begging me to accept you by saying I did it? So why can't you? And the second I don't think so. Well, and the second thought, again, that's my defensive reaction. I'm yeah. not saying it's right. Yeah. And the second reaction is, She's right. I have a very hard time with separating you as a human and you as my mom because I feel like sometimes I had to take care of you and your emotions more than it was the other way around. And I find myself fighting to have my mom take care of me. But I also feel like in that I'm old enough now where I can take care of myself. I think that everybody, no matter how old you are, still needs their mom. Yeah, I truly believe that because I know right now my mom's 89 and as much as I want her, I know I can't have her in the way that I want her to be because I know that's not who she's going to be. And that's what my therapist point with you, which was like, what's killing me is that I'm expecting you to be 
this mom that you aren't. It doesn't mean that the mom that I need you to be is better than the mom that you are. It means that I have to accept not every single person is going to be the person you need them to be in every single moment. I agree with that. I'm not the person you need me to be or the daughter you need me to be in every moment because I'm human. Right. And I think that's what we have to keep on reminding ourselves is that everybody's human. And you know that phrase, I hate that phrase now that I'm saying this out loud. You have friends for a lifetime. You have friends for this. You have friends for that. You have friends that you could tell this to. you. Yeah. No, I think what people need to realize <laughs> is their friends are fucking human. Mm-hmm. And if you accept your friend for the humanness that they are, then you'll be able to know what to go to them with and not be disappointed by them. I think that that actually sort of supports that quote, because if you do accept them, yeah, if you do accept them for who they are. Don't put that in there. Why? (laughs) If you do, why? Because you're human and you got something wrong. If If you do accept your friends for exactly who they are, then you know who they are to go to. But, you know, I do want to say that I am still working towards being able to be the mom more often than being able to be the child. And you have a right to want that and you have a right to have that. I mean, I started IFS therapy, which I feel like I'm a broken record about. But the idea of IFS is that we are all broken up into parts. Okay, like basically we all have child parts and those child parts will come out in adulthood no matter who you are or how much healing you've done. Mm -hmm. And it's about getting in touch with those parts and checking in with them so I think like the realistic goal is not to just get rid of your child parts and just be the adult for the rest of your life like that's not real and that's where I think the humanness comes in it's just like if we could take the the pause and say okay I'm feeling a child part of me show up can we take five like maybe that's the solution yes so here's a perfect example for my birthday Jamie and I went to go get our ears pierced and I get done getting my ear pierced and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? What did I do? Oh my God, this is a change. And so... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, it's so you. I like, It's so me. It's so you. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm going, oh my God, this was really expensive. Should I have done this? Mm-hmm. Just everything, every emotion went through me. Mm-hmm. And I remember being there and starting to express that to you. And then I remember in my head going, mm-mm. You need to keep this locked up, girl. You need to be okay with what you just did. Mm-hmm. Take a beat and just sit with it for a little bit. And so I yeah, remember- I was going to say you did stop I it. locked it up. You stopped the train. I did. I stopped the train. And I remember waking up the next morning, looking in the mirror going, oh, I really love this. And yes. I remember walking downstairs going, oh, I'm so glad we did this. I absolutely love it. For me, going downstairs and having to tell you- that I absolutely love it was a little overcompensating for how I felt that day because I felt like I needed to go to you and tell you that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. But I, what was I really doing is I was telling myself everything is okay. The hardest thing for you and I to do is own what we just said or did. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll think about it and obsess and call all of our friends and say, did I do this right? I want to say it's not to say that you can't go to a friend and check in. Yes, go but to we somebody just didn't that you... learn self-soothing. And I think it's okay to go to a friend to check in mm-hmm. with your emotions that you trust and that you feel safe with. Absolutely. Also, sometimes can your writing be your friend? Like sometimes when I just write in my journal, I'm like, oh, I don't need to call a friend. Or go for a walk and listen to music. Listen to a podcast. Can I tell you how many times Glennon Doyle has validated me? And we've never (laughs) spoken. Okay. Okay. I want to have my mom on here again because we're living together. I love it.
love it. I love it. And this was healing. I get frustrated all at the same time. Oh, for sure. Me fucking tell. Okay. Um, I no, have. Don't put that in. Why? Because you get frustrated with me and you're a person. <laughs> what do you think? A bad mother, a good mother, never gets frustrated with her daughter. Like what the? Fuck? Oh no, I definitely get frustrated. And I can be a good mom. And I can be a frustrating mom to you. Yeah, you can be everything everywhere all at once. I love it. You just fucking can. It's why I got You know why? I'm perfectly imperfect. 100%. That is my saying. We're going to wrap up this episode because I have therapy at 1145. And I'm subbing in the high school. So so I've got to be there. I'm going to go edit this episode. Okay. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I love you, hon. I love you so much. I love you more. And I... I'm really grateful for us being able to have conversations like this. Sometimes I feel like this is the kind of relationship that I do need is one where we can own our side of the street, come back and talk about it in a really loving way. And I feel like what I'm learning the most in my life right now is like how important conflict resolution and repair is. We're never not going to piss people off. We're never going to not trigger people. But what I have learned in repairing conflict with both friends and my mom is having unconditional positive regard for the other person. And if you don't have that, then it's probably not a good match. Right. And you want somebody that's going to put the work in as well. 100%. And part of that work, I think, is saying, I love you and I'm angry at you. Right. Instead of, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. You're a bad mom. Like all these black and white statements. No. Like I love you. Let's understand each other. I love it. I love you so much. I love you more. I love you the most, <laughs> From the bottom of the ocean to the top of the sky to infinity and beyond. I love you forever. For, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living. My baby will be. And forever, forever after. Oh. <laughs> I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> okay i will see you guys in the next episode thank you mom for coming on you're so welcome i love you thank you for having me duh you brought me into the world it's the least i can do (laughs) bye Bye.